Is the next economic crisis on the way, and are you ready for it? No matter what happens, you need to get your finances in order. In this episode, we're going to talk about the coming financial collapse and what you need to do to be ready. Welcome to Adulting, a podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I am Harlan Landis, and I'm here with Miranda Marquette. How are you, Miranda? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing okay, but uh, do we have a financial collapse on the way? Is, is that what's going on? Is this something we are concerned about right now? Apparently. In April 2016, the street thought that it's already coming. It's already here. They did a thing about how student loan rates are rising and all sorts of things are happening and that the next financial bubble, which is student loans, they think is about to burst. The street thinks that we're on our way to a financial crisis already. And on top of that, the Wall Street Journal did a story during the presidential campaign. It did an analysis and talked about how if President Trump's campaign promises are adopted by Congress and become law, they would add to the national deficit more than Clinton's would have. And we're talking about more than 100% GDP. Right now, we're at below 80% GDP for debt. And if President Trump gets his way and Congress supports all of his campaign promises, we would be above 100% GDP for our debt servicing. So that's another problem. So those are two things that different outlets, one The Street and one The Wall Street Journal, are looking at and saying, hey, things could be ripe for some economic difficulty ahead. And these aren't the only two stories that are out there, too. I, they, over the last year or so, the economic signals seem to be pointing towards a slowdown or a downturn, which could mean difficulty for jobs, regardless of any promises made by whatever the government happens to be. Um, it doesn't matter really. So obviously, it matters who is sitting in the Oval Office. And it matters who is in Congress. But economic cycles happen regardless. And we have experienced about eight years, maybe nine years of growth since the last recession, whether you feel it or not, because the growth is there. Not everybody is working the way they were working, and not everybody is employed the way they were employed. But overall, the economy has gotten better for the last eight years or so. And whether or not you are a Republican or a Democrat, or you believe that a Republican is better in the office or in charge of the country, or a Democrat is better for the country, regardless, there's a good likelihood that we're in for some difficult financial times going forward. Yeah, and I think another thing to keep in mind is an article in The Nation talked about the social safety net and how it's been eroding over the last few years. And for middle-class families, this could actually turn out to be a real problem. You talked about how some people feel like maybe the economic recovery of the past half decade or so has left them behind. Well, part of the reason some Americans are feeling that is if you look at where most of the gains 
went to a lot of the gains from the economic progress that we've made over the last few years have gone to the top 1% instead of to the middle class. A lot of those gains are actually due to the stock market. And as research indicates, a lot of that means that the gains are are not going to the middle class. And so if you pair that with uh, this idea of the American social safety net dissolving, there could be a difficult time ahead for people who are middle class. Yeah. So the question now is, what can people do to prepare for financial difficulties, financial collapse, whatever you want to call the next downturn? That's kind of where it goes. And I I like, first of all, how you talk about the natural down cycles and recessions, because that's going to happen no matter what, no matter how good things are. It's, it's going to happen. And then on top of that, in your own life, you never know when something's going to happen as well. A few weeks ago, we talked about emergencies and the need for emergency funds and preparing yourself for emergencies because you never know when you're going to lose your job, when you're going to have a debilitating disease or injury. There's kind of that problem too. So being ready is a big, big part of just shoring up your finances in general, whether or not you think that the economy is going to drag you down. Yeah, unfortunately, if people who are in a difficult position now, who can't, or at least are going to have significant difficulty with the idea of shoring up their finances and building an emergency fund. Because let's be honest, there are people who are underemployed or unemployed right now. And just suggesting to them, all right, it's time to shore up your finances before things get really difficult. Well, obviously, that's a piece of advice that's just going to go in one ear and out the other because there's they feel that they're struggling now. So what could they possibly do? I mean, things could get a lot worse than the current situation. Let's talk about some of the steps that you can start taking to at least improve your financial situation a little bit. So so what are some of the things that you can do if you want to boost your financial situation, no matter where you're at, whether you think there's going to be a financial crisis coming or whether you just want to be prepared for what's next? What are some of the steps we can take? Again, this is going to be difficult for some people to hear, especially if There are people who are already working several jobs and pulling in as much money as possible using whatever time they have available to work to be able to support the basic necessities for their family. But one of the keys has to be earning more money. And finding a way to do that is going to be crucial in getting your cash flow to a point where you can start preparing yourself for lean years or a period of downtime or a period when the opportunities are going to be a lot uh, more difficult to come across. So how can you start earning more money looking for opportunities in your current job or jobs? accepting more responsibility, going out, finding that side hustle. If you do have time on the side, everybody has a little bit of time. Some people will find it a lot more difficult than others. But if you have any extra time, finding a way to turn a hobby into a business, even if it's at a small level, going online, doing something with your time to earn more money. There are a lot of opportunities out there, and I know we've talked about some of them in the past, but just earning more money has got to be the one side of the equation where you know that you can benefit. And I think one of the things to do as well is consider skills that are in demand. One of the things that people have been talking about a lot lately is, oh, we've got to bring manufacturing jobs back to the U.S., 
One of the problems with that is we forget that most of those manufacturing jobs brought back to the U.S., they're not going to be done by people anyway. If you move a plant back here, most of that manufacturing is going to be done by robots. It's going to be automated. The reality of the situation is that we are moving into a kind of economy that values a different type of skill set. Highly repeatable work is moving toward automation, and it's coming. And so developing skills that are in demand, like communication, understanding technology and how it works, and even skilled labor jobs like plumbing and electrical and mechanics, those are kinds of skills that are going to be in demand for much longer than you know, trying to bring back some sort of manufacturing job or something like that. Look ahead. A lot of the time we spend so much time saying, well, this is the way it used to be and this is how we used to have our economy. Well, the fact of the matter is, is things are changing. Things always change. And so developing the skills that are in demand is an important part of preparing yourself for what comes. That's such an important message to get out there is that those jobs that we've lost overseas to uh, machinery, to computers, to technology, those are not coming back regardless of what people are promising. And unfortunately for people who have lived their lifetime working at t- jobs that have that have disappeared like that it's another difficult message to say well now you have to go back and develop these other skills that are in demand if you're 57 58 years old that's obviously a message that's going to be very difficult to listen to but if you are young you still have the opportunity to look towards the future in terms of what skills are going to be necessary in an economy where you can find cheap labor elsewhere in the world technology is taking over that a lot of jobs that we have today are not going to be here tomorrow and just understanding that and just taking an approach to education that takes that into account is going to be very helpful for, for the next generation. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're young, you're going to be working for another generation. It is going to be a difficult situation in terms of the economy moving forward. So we've got to think about that and make some interesting choices in how we're living our life in terms of developing skills and in terms of everything else that we're doing so that we're going to be able to be in a good position as the job economy continues to change. And there are there's there's almost no way to predict what some of these changes are going to be. I mean, we can we can look and we can have good guess. You know, people skills is going to be important. Managerial, you know, you're not going to be able to always replace managers with computers. You have to really kind of take the best guess because there's a lot that we just don't know that what's going to happen. Now, there are some other things that you can do to kind of start improving your finances. That income is a big piece of it. Trying to diversify that income a little bit is a big piece of it. But you also need to consider what you can do to reduce your debt a little bit. Those obligations that you have are going to be a real problem if things go south in the economy. And the more obligations you have, uh, the worse off you are. If your income is cut off because you lose your job, you're in a difficult position because your debt isn't going to just go away and adjust with your level of income. You might be able to cut back on other expenses, but debt is going to be difficult and you just get, it gets more expensive the deeper into debt you go. And uh, you don't want to fall into that trap. 
if things are decent right now, if you have a handle on your finances, prepare for the downturn by eliminating your debt. We've talked about holding on to a mortgage because it's at a low interest rate compared to paying off other types of debt. But you really need to look at the big picture and prepare yourself as much as possible. If you don't have savings, you need to eliminate that debt. If you don't have anything else, if you don't have a support system, if you don't have family that you know will help you out, then you need to prepare financially as much as possible by eliminating as much debt, cutting back your expenses. That's a big part of it as well. Yeah. And when we talk about cutting back expenses, I think it's important to talk about prioritizing your spending. I mean, it's not just like, I need to cut back. What are the things that you know that you can cut immediately? And it's part, part of that is paying attention to how do you spend your money? Start tracking how you use your money so that you know where it's going and you know that if there is some sort of problem or you run into some sort of issue, you know that you can cut back if you need to, and you know exactly what to go to first. There's a good reason that tracking is probably one of the first things that you want to do because it does open your eyes. It doesn't require more time you know, working or more money. It doesn't require anything other than just starting to pay attention. And this can be difficult to track if you don't have the tools necessary to track, though. You know, a lot of people are, are living these days without bank accounts, and there isn't a lot of tracking that's possible by automation if you don't have those systems in place. And it's fine if you don't want to use a bank account. It's fine if you want to use prepaid debit cards instead. But you have to find a way to track it all so you know exactly what's going on with your spending. And once you write it down, it opens your eyes to things that are not necessities. And the more you can cut back on the things that are optional right now, the luxuries that you're perhaps spending money on, the more you'll be prepared for the inevitable downturns. Now, I'm hoping that our listeners won't be affected by financial downturns and perhaps listening to podcasts you know, like, the, like this episode will help, but the chances are good that you're going to be affected in some way in the future at some point. And that's just the reality of, of life. Starting by tracking is going to prepare you for the inevitable changes that happen in the economy that affect you. And I think another thing to consider as well as you get ready is is establish some sort of emergency savings. Uh, It's important to start saving up to to kind of get that emergency fund going. And we've talked about this in a former episode as well, the importance of starting an emergency fund and saving as much as you possibly can over time and, and building that up so that you have less of a need to rely on things like credit card debt, or if you get forced into a selling low situation with your portfolio just ahead of retirement. I mean, those kinds of things can be devastating. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, we've talked about emergency funds before, so we have very specific things about finding ways to create that emergency fund. So go back and listen to those episodes and read those articles. It's funny that you say avoid selling low when it comes to your investments, but that's that's nearly impossible because everybody contributes to their investments, whether it's a retirement account or any other kind of investments when things are going well, they have a job and they have the funds to do this. When there's an economic downturn, you lose your job, potentially, and the market tanks, potentially, at the same time. So here you are, finally, you've been saving and saving, 
investing and investing, and now when you finally need it, it's the worst time to withdraw it because the market has tanked and the value of your investments has decreased. We love this idea of, ah, oh, you've got to buy low and sell high, but good luck if you think that's ever going to happen in real life. That's just not the way it works because people are affected by the economy. And when they need it the most, that's when it is in the worst position to actually take it. Just keep that in mind. Don't get too depressed about it. Do the best you can, but keep in mind that these forces are well beyond the control of any human being, any one human being. You just have to keep that in mind as you invest and as you look at managing your financial life. And another thing to keep in mind, though, too, before we get all Debbie Downer up in here about it, but another good thing to keep in mind is that even if you do have to sell when the market is kind of going down, looking at it historically, you still might be selling it higher than you bought at. For instance, if you sold during the crash of like 2009, 2010, right, when when stocks were kind of low in 2009 and 2010, even if you sold then, if you had been invested in the market since before 2000, there's a good chance that you still came out ahead. Uh, Just because even though the market was down from highs that it was at just prior to the crash, it was still higher than it was 15 years before. That's something to keep in mind. And then another thing to keep in mind as well is the fact that at least if you're investing, you're, you're saving up, at least you have that capital to draw on as opposed to having nothing at all. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good reason to be invested in a diversified portfolio as well, because the chances of you losing everything if you are invested in, you know, if you put all of your money into one stock, for instance, then you are at a risk of that company falling apart during the next financial crisis. And the more diversified you are, the more of a chance you'll be able to survive a financial crisis, at least financially for the long term. Yeah, that's good to keep in mind. But something else that you want to do as well, if you want to shore up your finances or prepare yourself is to look around for available community resources, understand that you can apply for unemployment benefits. So if you're laid off, you can turn to unemployment benefits, and you should apply for those as soon as you can. Don't forget that many communities have food pantries and other programs that can help you pay your heating bill during the winter. So here where I live, where it gets very cold during the winter, there are programs that you can use to help pay your heating bill. And so there are all of these resources available, and it's important to know about them. If you belong to a church, a lot of the time church congregations have different resources that can help you pay utility bills or help you with food. Understand what's available to you so that if you do end up in a bind, you know where you can go to get a little bit of help. Yeah. And what we want to hope is that if the financial downturn turns into an absolute financial collapse globally, the next financial apocalypse, I mean, something worse than what we had even with the Great Depression, almost 100 years ago, then some of these community resources might be depleted or might not be available. So how do you how do you even prepare for this idea of something that hasn't happened since over the past 100 years? Yeah, full on financial apocalypse. So (laughs) I live in Idaho, the land of preppers. What does that mean? What's a prepper? 
Preppers are people who are ready for the end of the economic system as we know it. They are preparing for what they feel is the inevitable. And so uh, preppers, they stockpile food, they stockpile guns and ammo, and they stockpile hard money resources like gold. Yeah, some of the things you can do if it turns on to a fi- full-on financial uh, apocalypse, like your stock market balance is going to be like the least of your worries in this case. <laughs> and I don't know that we'd see a complete breakdown of civilization. I'd like to think that we wouldn't, but certain things have happened in the last few months that have shaken my faith in humanity. So (laughs) you can prepare for this kind of thing by developing kind of survival skills. I know a lot of people around me like the idea of stockpiling gold. I personally think gold will be useless because who's going to be able to afford your gold if the financial system collapses? Nobody can afford your gold. Nobody wants your gold because you can't eat gold. You can't wear gold. You can't plant gold in the ground. I think you're better off understanding survival skills. I could probably end up eating my words. I mean, there is a potential, I suppose, that the full-on financial apocalypse might happen. I, 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 it just sounds, whatever the preppers are doing, a stockpiling of ammo and and gold, it is not going to help you in the long term. It's crazy. It's ridiculous, and I don't know if it's depends on your ammo. I have a rifle, and I, I'm I can go out and kill deer. Okay, we're 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 not heading back to like a Game of Thrones type of economy where people are are. are if things go bad, I'm going to the mountains with my fishing tackle and my rifle, and then I'm going to grow some food. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I don't think we need to advocate for people to take that approach to life because. Yeah, it is incredibly unlikely that that's going to be the economy of the future. Yes, things could get bad for some time. Yes, people can be without jobs, and they could not know what to do. And because of that, it's possible people will die. And I think that is possible in the grand scheme of things. I think, for the most part, most of us are prepared to handle a decade or so, or even longer, of a financial downturn. I don't think that we're heading for any kind of financial apocalypse where suddenly it's Game of Thrones and everybody's got to kill each other in order to survive. Well, I don't think it, it doesn't mean that you're going to have to kill each other. I just personally think if, if you know how to grow your own food, if you know how to acquire that kind of thing, I think you'll be in a slightly better position in the case of a full-on financial apocalypse. Just because I have a gun doesn't mean I think I'm going to have to kill somebody. So these are good skills to have, sure. Finding your own food, being able to support yourself in some form. I'm not going to say that these are bad skills to have. I think they're positive skills. Whether they're going to become necessary skills and those who have them survive and those who don't perish, I think that's ridiculous. And I don't think we're ever going to get to that point, at least not in the United States. You you can come live with me, Harlan. You can you can come with me. <laughs> yeah. That's very kind of you. No, I agree. I honestly do not think that we're going to see a full-on situation where we have such a collapse in our financial system and in our society. I don't think that we would see such a breakdown. But at the same time, I don't think it hurts to develop useful skills. Oh, absolutely. I mean, skills are skills, and, and they're good to have, and they they do help you get by in in a lot of situations. Whether it's going to form the the new reality for the world or for the country or for wherever you're listening, I think that's a bit of a stretch. And um, you know, I'm I'm hoping that 
I, I won't be proven wrong. But at the same token, if it comes down to that, then we have much bigger things to worry about in life. So keep that in mind as well. Yeah. And I do think it's worth doing some sort of food storage as well, no matter where you're at or, or what situation you're at. I think some sort of food storage, a few months worth of food storage can be very helpful. Uh, just because that sort of thing can supplement you if you are experiencing some sort of economic hardship, having some food storage stocked up can help you stretch your budget a little bit during these times and help you rely less on other resources that might start being depleted. Having some food storage, some staples that are shelf stable can be very helpful. Uh, The only thing is when you do have some sort of food stores, you do need to make sure you're rotating them so they don't go bad. I remember going down when my grandmother was sick and going down into her fruit room and seeing like jars like apricots, apricots that had been down there for 30 years. I was like, wow, yeah, if something, I guess if something, if things get really bad, you eat the apricots because they'll kill you. I guess if things get really bad, that's how those could be helpful. So it is important if you are going to, if you get into that sort of thing is to make sure you rotate, whether you're buying a food case lot sale of canned vegetables or whether you're bottling your own uh, fruits and vegetables. And I bottled my own applesauce that I, and I really enjoyed doing that from apples from my tree back when I owned a house. So when you're doing that, you do need to make sure that you rotate through your stores so that it stays fresh. And you can actually set up a system, uh, and we can include this in the show notes, but you can actually set up a system where you're always adding to your storage and also rotating through. Yeah, so everything that you're talking about, I mean, this this is the, the basics of an emergency plan. Like, we talk about an emergency fund, but your emergency fund should really be multi-layered, and it's got to be more than just cash. It's good to have food as well, food storage that's going to provide you with a backup just in case things get to the point where you need it. That is good. So what are some of the things that listeners can do right now to prepare for the inevitable downturn, uh, regardless whether it's here already, whether it's coming in a year or five years or 10 years, what can they do now? So I think one of the most important things you can do right now is create a priority list of your spending and your expenses. Take a look at that and figure out what exactly you could cut from your finances immediately if you had to. And I do this every couple of months. I review where my money is going, take a look at some things that I'm probably spending on that don't really matter to me that I just shouldn't be spending on anymore and get those out of my budget now. But then I also look at things that I'm spending on that I enjoy or that I like or that are a part of the fabric of my life, but that I could deal without. And that if I had a drop in income that I was like, well, those are the first things to go. I kind of keep that rotating priority list going so that if something happens, I'm not paralyzed. Like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I know exactly what gets cut and I know exactly what goes first. Yeah, that priority list is so important. And you can do this with a pen and paper. You can do it using software. You can track your finances using software. You can just writing down all of the financial details that you need to know regarding your spending and your priorities and your expenses and your income coming in. All of that can be done with software or can be done with a pen and paper. There's there's no need for you to spend any extra money just to keep track of your money. Right. And another thing you can do is update your resume. Every now and again, it's a good idea to update your resume, make sure that uh, your most recent 
skills, your most recent positions, all of that's there. So that when it's time, if you end up losing a job, then you can immediately get out there and start job hunting. Yeah, being prepared for job loss is great for any time, whether you think the economy is going fantastic or whether you're expecting a downturn and just being aware of your skills and making sure it's documented so that you can move as freely as possible in the event of a job loss or a downturn. And just that flexibility, finding ways to make yourself flexible like that, not just with a resume ready to go, but with the skills that you have that increase your potential. So work on those skills. Find whether it's a class and your extra time or whether it's just focusing some of your energy onto what you need to do in order to build the skills that are going to translate to a future economy. Uh, So if you're working in the coal mines, if that's been your life, those types of jobs are not coming back regardless of what the politicians are promising you work on some other skills or figure out how you can take what you've learned and attribute it to other types of opportunities because being prepared for that is going to be helpful whenever the economy collapses as is possible and i like that it's kind of a downer but you also have to be realistic about the situation there are some jobs that just aren't coming back and if you're not willing to retrain yourself, then that's going to be a problem. And that's just the way it is. So we have a listener question. Is it worthwhile to move to a different country if you think things are going to be bad in the United States? Now, that's an interesting question, because I actually know somebody who is planning on buying, he's he's saving up, he's planning on buying a little sailboat. He honestly believes that the end is nigh and that the U.S. is going to be in huge trouble. And so he is getting ready to get on a sailboat and sail to another country if he has to, provisioning his sailboat and getting ready uh, so that he can do that. I think it depends on your goals. You know, what are your goals? What kinds of things are you looking for uh, in a place you want to live? So I have actually thought in recent months, not necessarily in response to maybe a financial crisis, but sometimes I think that I would fit in better in maybe a different country. I don't know. So I've thought about that. I don't know that it's worth it for me to move right now. I do like living in the United States. I do like the United States. But sometimes these things occur. So I think it's important to think of your goals. Like, are you hoping to live cheaply? If you want to live cheaply, and that's your main concern, you know, once you move, and being able to have access to a cheap local economy, then yeah, it might be worth it to move. Uh, Your money will go further, and it'll be easier to live cheaply. There are lots of countries in South America and Central America that many people find inexpensive and attractive. If you are looking for a better social safety net, it's actually going to be more expensive to move to some countries. The benefits might outweigh those costs. So a lot of people like the idea of moving to a Scandinavian country because they have very strong social safety nets. So even though it's more expensive initially, there's kind of this baseline quality of life you can expect. So it sort of depends on your goals and what you think a different country is going to offer you that you cannot get in the U.S., One of the things that I think it's important to remember is individual countries are not isolated anymore economically. So if you're trying to 
avoid an economic downturn. I, the United States is a is a huge economic power in the world, and a downturn here. I mean, we saw this in the last recession too. I mean, a downturn here affects the entire civilized world. Uh, unless you're willing to make major changes to your life, moving to another country that has a high standard of living, you're still going to be affected by the global economy. The, the economy is global now. It is going to be, it's going to be very difficult to find a similar standard of living while being insulated from economic issues. Uh, now, of course, every place you could live has its own economy. You might experience uh, a downturn somewhere where there isn't a downturn somewhere else. But if your desire to move is in response to this idea that there's going to be a huge upheaval of the economy in the United States, if it's anything major, it's going to affect the rest of the world as well. So if things look that bad here, they're going to look that bad just about anywhere else. Yeah, I think that's a good point and, and why you need to go back to well, what are my goals? Why do I think I need to move to another country? Because that's really going to be the driver behind whether or not it makes sense for you. Yeah, and we've shown that we get through normal financial downturns as a country and as a world. I don't think that this is going to be, I don't, I don't foresee any apocalypses, but hey, hey, you know, everybody has a different perspective and they see different things. It doesn't matter what is happening in the entire world. All that's important to a person is what's happening inside their family and inside their household. It could be, the economy could be fine, but when you lose a job, your whole world crumbles, right? You know, the goal is to not let that happen. And of course, if the whole world is crumbling around you, then you don't have much to lean on when that does happen. But everybody's experience is internal. It, it happens to them. So regardless of what the future is going to be apocalypse-wise, you might still have that personal personal hell that you have to live through for a certain amount of time if you're going to get through the bad times. All right, on that note, we'd love to hear how you're preparing for the financial apocalypse. Let us know on Facebook and our adulting community, hashtag adulting, or leave us some comments or questions at adulting.tv. You can subscribe to more podcasts from us. Most of them are a lot more uplifting and positive than the ones where we think about the upcoming financial crises. So do subscribe at adulting.tv slash iTunes. And we look forward to having you as an audience in the future. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv. Adulting.